Hi listener, welcome to Zimbabwe Young Positive's first ever podcast episode titled Storywalks Talk at the Window. I'm your host Ndombi and I'm super excited as I'll be engaging with a really cool guest panel today. I'll give my guests the chance of introducing themselves. Hi, I am Shemaine Tnasha Matanda, Monitoring Evaluation Research Learning Lead for Zimbabwe Young Positive. I'm passionate about data-driven advocacy and meaningful engagement of adolescents and young people. Welcome, Shemaine. Hello, everyone. And I'm Otsina Matafi, a cat's mentor for Masungo District. And I'm also the district focal person for Masungo. And I'm currently part of the training and leadership program of ARASA, uh, class of 2021. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Otina. Hi, guys. I'm Courtney Shakur, case mentor from Chitunguza, working with case to promote best service delivery. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. I'm Antititi Ntago from Africa, Zandiri. I work with adolescents and young people at learning centers with buyers on SRH services. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Antititi, for joining us. We are also really excited to have you. Today, we will be unpacking challenges that young people living with HIV are facing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our first speaker is going to be Otina Matafi, but uh, she's going to be taking us through sexual reproductive health rights barriers. My first question to you, Otina, is can you kindly define sexual reproductive health rights for us? All right, uh, thank you so much, Sitondi, for this opportunity. Uh, when you're talking about um, sexual reproductive health rights, uh, this is a state of physical, emotional, mm-hmm. mental, and social well-being in relation to all aspects of sexuality and reproduct- reproduction, not merely the absence of disease, uh, dysfunction, or infirmity. Well, thank you so much for that. Uh, we then move on to what... Uh, can you kindly explain to us um, what sexual re- reproductive health rights service provision entails? Oh, okay. Um, achievement of uh, sexual reproductive health relies on the realization of uh, sexual reproductive rights, which are based on the human rights of all individuals uh, to have their bodily integrity, privacy, and personal autonomy respected. It also includes freely defined their own sexuality, including sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. Uh, Not forgetting that they have to decide whether and when to be sexually active. Also not forgetting that they have to choose their sexual partners, uh, have safe and pleasurable sexual experiences, decide whether, when, and whom to marry. And not also forgetting uh, to decide whether, when, and by what means to have a child or children and how many children to have. And lastly, it also includes uh, having access over their lifetimes to the information, resources, services, and support necessary to achieve all the above, free from discrimination, uh, coercion, exploitation, and violence. Thank you so much for the information, Otina. Uh, moving on, what are some of the challenges that are there to sexual reproductive health rights access? Okay, uh, in accessing uh, sexual reproductive health rights, uh, 
during the lockdown, the lockdown or the pandemic period, it became a challenge as most facilities were only focusing on COVID patients and giving ARVs. Uh, sexual reproductive health rights became luxury, and this can also be seen by the 22% teenage pregnancy uh, increase in STIs uh, that have risen in this period. Uh, this can be found in the same states. Uh, the COVID-19 crisis in Zimbabwe has negatively impacted on the access to sexual reproductive health services for adolescents, girls, and young women. This includes uh, sexual rights and uh, health information and counseling, contraception services, post-abortion care, maternal and newborn health services, gender-based violence services, uh, STIs, HIV, infertility, and reproductive cancers, which could result in increased risk of teenage pregnancies, unsafe abortion, and possible complications of pregnancy during labor. And also, community health care providers have been failing to provide selected sexual reproductive health rights services, such as oral contraception and condoms, due to lockdowns. Our closure of health facilities resulting from the current health crisis has also contributed to reduce access to our sexual gender-based violence services compromising timely to post-rape treatment as well. Thank you so much, Otina. Having stated all these challenges, are there any recommendations as a kids mentor that you have in place currently or that you can recommend going forward for young people living with HIV so as to deal with the barriers? Okay, uh, critical would be to integrate COVID-19 within the core business like are the core business that we focus on even as organizations, ensuring that healthcare staff, members, and beneficiaries are not only complacent with COVID-19 prevention protocols, but we address the pandemic at the same time without losing our sexual reproductive health rights, HIV and AIDS-related gains that we have achieved so far. Thank you so much, Otina. We'll move on to our next speaker, Courtney Hove who will be taking us through drug and substance abuse. Courtney, how do you define drug and substance abuse? Okay, so my drugs are illegal, then we have legal drugs. Okay. But I want to talk about abuse. Are illegal in inventory abuse now before what it doesn't matter to your dossier to say but can are illegal are illegal abuse is like you are taking the wrong dosage in order to get high. All right. So misuse my drugs does drug abuse. Okay. What are some of the drugs being abused in our communities? Okay. So to farm mom ghetto, told my kids, my beneficiaries out. Okay. They talked about drugs such as uh, crystal meth, toriro. All right. Then banje do ya yagareba. Okay. Because the times it do road, nana saying sitting. My mind, I don't go to as no as we make it. It's our group of Lisa, my pump and my pets. I don't know how they do the their thing, but that would have one of them is also Oh wow, that's a first. My pump and my pets. Okay. So what can we say are some of the effects of drug and substance abuse? Okay, my drugs manji kuku health. I know kwaza cause. Among my drugs, I'm told to lose appetite. Alright. So your body needs to get up. So you can see it among a basari heavy. Okay. And also, one one you So you won't be able to take care of yourself and your family, right? 
Alright, thank you. Having stated these effects, what can we say are the causes for young people, especially living with HIV, um, of them taking or abusing drugs and substances? Okay, so during the pandemic, uh, most cases are turned on the equity is because Alright. And exposure manji. And the are unemployed and streets, they indulge into drugs. So, activities So, they started to And the more the Romans do. Yeah, true. What are some of the interventions that can be put in place to keep drug and substance abuse in our communities? Okay, I think uh, information dissemination. Alright. Mm. Okay. choice. Because a lot of them might have peer pressure. But some yeah, peer pressure is bad. You always have to make a choice. Yeah, Until. true. Plus, guidance so that they won't be in position drugs. Okay, thank you so much, Courtney, for the informative discussion. We'll then move on to our next speaker, Mr. George Manuwa, who will be taking us through mental health. Mr. George, my first question to you is, how did the COVID-19 pandemic affect the mental health of young people living with HIV? Thank you for the invitation and also for the time to speak about how the pandemic affected mental health of uh, adolescents and young people living with HIV. Uh, so my first point uh, on that is uh, COVID pandemic uh, came with many limitations and uh, some of these limitations were limitations in accessing uh, psychosocial support services. And uh, we know that uh, psychosocial support services are essential to everyone and are essential especially to adolescents and young people with HIV because uh, they mostly receive their psychosocial support from peers and during the pandemic, they had no access to peers because uh, we were in a lockdown. So you could not go to see friends, you could not go into our support groups as usual. So you would find that uh, when someone had challenges, the challenge was their own. Yet uh, earlier before the pandemic, a challenge, if you had a challenge, you could discuss the challenge in the support group and you could actually find help. So our peer-to-peer -peer support uh, systems uh, are actually essential in this way. And uh, during the pandemic, they were not available. Then also another, another thing that was very noticeable during the pandemic was uh, the limitations to access to treatment and medication, especially for us many for us young people living with HIV. 
was you would see that uh, when you, you have no access or there is limited, limited access to art, yet you know that uh, art is very essential in your life. This will also cause a lot of anxiety and depression. And yet this anxiety and depression, there is no way where you can have this, you can have help for these issues to be resolved because most of the peer-to-peer -peer support groups were no longer functional as they used to be. Yes, I know later on uh, our peer-to-peer -peer support groups, they resumed through using uh, online medias, but we had also some challenges of uh, access to online medias. And uh, also it took time for people to adapt to the pandemic. And then uh, also just the general uncertainty and fear of the pandemic would just create anxiety and stress among many adolescents and young people living with HIV because, you know, we didn't know what was going to come next. At first, we all thought that maybe the pandemic was there just for uh, for two weeks, then the lockdowns will be released. But we see it went on four weeks, a month, the third month, and still, we are still in the pandemic and the lockdowns are still there. So you will see that uh, all that uncertainty has been causing a lot of stress and depression and not all of us were able to adapt, adapt during the pandemic. So which means that uh, there were many adolescents and young people and there are still many who are affected by uh, mental health challenges. Thank you so much, Mr. George, for the informative discussion. What way or what, what are the effects of these challenges to health and livelihoods? Uh, so the notable effects of... Uh, of mental health challenges to adolescents and young people are many, but I would like to talk a few. And the first one I would like to talk about is how mental health challenges affect adherence to art medication. As you all know, adhering to art is essential to people living with HIV, but during the pandemic, you had uh, stress and depression, and these mental health challenges, they have a direct impact on the intake of medication. But as you all know, when you are stressed, or when you are depressed, life seems not to life seems not to have a uh, meaning as it have. So how can someone who is not seeing meaning to life try to support that life with medication? So therefore, you actually see how these mental health challenges were affecting uh, medication intake, and even in our reports as Zimbabwe Young Positives, there were many reports of adolescents and young people who were defaulting their medication. And uh, also another thing, uh, another thing that mental health affects is our relationship with our families, with our friends, and so on. When someone is having a mental health challenges, uh, firstly they withdraw themselves from others. So, which is also another indication of a mental health challenge. You will see that people withdraw from society. They will always uh, like to have their own space. And when you have your own space now, it means you don't have someone to talk to. Uh, you have your problems to your own. And you would see that uh, when, you are, when you are alone, you see uh, people as, as enemies. You see as if people are the problem. So you would find that uh, many people would be quarreling with families. Uh, many, many people could not understand each other in families. And what this does is it destroys the immediate social support that a person needs, especially we as young people living with HIV, we need immediate social support. We always need our parents, our sisters to remind us, ah, did you take your medication? Did you do this? Did you do that? But once you are now quarreling with the family, it means that immediate social support is no longer there. So you would see that uh, the pandemic affected mental, 
uh, affected mental health, and these mental health challenges have far-reaching consequences to many adolescents and young people. Thank you so much, Mr. George. As a clinical psychologist, what are some of the self-help strategies people can use to deal with a different mental health challenge? Okay, thank you for that. Uh, so, me as a psychologist, or us as a psychologist, we always uh, recommend people that when we have something that is stressing you, or something that is worrying you, or you have an issue that you are not sure about, always seek uh, help from the immediate uh, supporter or the immediate peer-to-peer -peer supporter who is near you, and this is mostly your family. The, your family is always around you, and you could see that during the pandemic, even some of the uh, uh, psycho psychological services were not accessible because they were because they were part of uh, out outpatients department, so they were actually closed during the pandemic. So you see that the family is always there. So we always encourage people that if you have a, a problem, please try to speak with your family. If you have something that is worrying you, try to speak with your family. But however, if you if you think that okay, this issue I cannot talk about it with my family, uh, always look for uh, some community cadres or peer-to-peer -peer supporters in your community. So we as uh, Zimbabwe Young Positives, uh, we work with uh, various partners and organizations who are in the community. We have our kids mentors, we have our kids, uh, and we also have uh, uh, many community cadres who can actually assist and help people when they, uh, when they need immediate help. However, if, they, if you have access to go to the uh, clinic, uh, always go to the nearest uh, local yourself provider because they will also, if they cannot help you, they will refer you to people who can help you. And most of these community cadres, kids mentors and mentors I talked about, they are also affiliated to, to your nearest healthcare self provider. So once you go there, they can give you, they can refer you uh, to someone who can actually help you. And if you have access to psychological services, if you think that, okay, you have something that is stressing you, please always visit a psychologist, always visit a counselor so that you receive your that you need, be it treatment or psychotherapy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. George, for the informative discussion. We'll move on to our next speaker, Shemaine Matanda, who will be taking us through sexual exploitation of minors. Charmaine, my first question to you is, what is sexual exploitation? Uh, thank you so much, Ndombi. So, World Health Organization defines sexual exploitation as actual attempted abuse of position of vulnerability or power or trust for sexual purposes, an intrusion of sexual nature, whether by force or under unequal or coercive conditions. In this case, we believe that uh, minors, uh, anyone below 16 years of age, does not have the capacity to consent to sex. So if we see anyone who's younger consenting to sex, younger than 16, we call it sexual exploitation because under law, the Zimbabwean law, they are not supposed to be consenting to sex. Okay, thank you. What are some of the signs of sexual exploitation in the community? So uh, during the COVID-19 uh, lockdown, uh, we realized that an increase in child sex work is a clear indicator of child sexual exploitation. You might have someone who's as young as 10 years old, especially in communities like Hopley and Epworth, engaging in uh, sexual activities and being called 
uh, child sex workers for being initiated or groomed into sex work by virtue of the fact that they live in a household with uh, sex workers. So for me, that is uh, child sexual exploitation and it's a direct indicator that sexual exploitation is actually happening within communities. True, we can never call a child as young as 10 years old a sex worker. It's just pure rape. Uh, moving on, what are some of the effects of sexual exploitation? So the effects are range are from uh, mental health-related uh, uh, complications, like some of the issues that George had highlighted earlier. They might be depression, hallucination, uh, among others, suicide ideation, self-harming for those young people, even drug and substance abuse, as highlighted earlier. Then uh, it also contributes to the increase in teenage pregnancies, like uh, people have indicated, is because they do not have access to information and services because under law, they do not have the age of consent to actually get sexual reproductive health services, which means if they are abused, they actually are prone to getting pregnant. Then also uh, the spread of STIs as well. If the sex is not protected, it means they might be actually vulnerable to contracting sexually transmitted infections. And also the other um, effect of sexual exploitation is that in communities we are creating a culture of impunity where these men are getting away with uh, taking away young people's childhood and actually creating a society where there are pedophiles that are not ashamed a man as old as 45 sleeping with the child as young as 10 years old instead of protecting them. So the society has now uh, culminated social ills and harbored them to think that they're normal, but we want to shun that. Do not rob these children of uh, their childhood. Having sex with the child is pure rape, like you've mentioned earlier on. So it actually points us to the need to strengthen safeguarding policies within our country to make sure that children are protected under the law. And also it calls for a multi-stakeholder response to ensuring that children are safe. That is communities, families, churches, line ministries, and other uh, key stakeholders like NGOs. Thank you so much, Charmaine. I think this is a topic that should be discussed within our communities because the effects are, are truly creating havoc within our communities. We'll move on to our last speaker, that's Antititi from Africate, who will be taking us on the role of the kids in the community. Antititi, over to you. Oh, thank you, Tombi. Um, the role of the kids in the community is that um, kids, these are community adolescence treatment supporters, and these act as positive role models to their peers. We are saying, when we are talking of kids, we are talking of people who are of the same age with those people they are going to be influencing. These kids, community adolescence treatment supporters, they work with health facilities, which are supervised by the Ministry of Health. So they work closely with clinic facilities, they work closely with social workers, with community health workers, and um, they reach out uh, to other adolescents and young people by being the primary contacts in our clinics and communities of the adolescents. 
These kids also actively seek children and adolescents through adolescence corners in clinics and even in their communities. They promote uptake of HIV testing and counseling treatment and care and support and provide a support systems for the beneficiaries, that, the, that is their peers. And they also provide a support systems for the nurses and the health providers because we call them our food soldiers. Um, they provide also a support system for adolescents, young people living with HIV. And uh, they do visit and through support groups, through what we call contacts, normally these are visits, and also through, uh, they become, they are also part of outreach teams. I think that's about it. Thank you so much, Antutiti. How was the kids model best adapted to the pandemic? Um, the case model in general is best adapted uh, to to the community in terms of uh, our role or our aim or objective is that we increase uptake of HIV testing, we increase uptake of linkages of adherence of retention in care and services related to sexual, reproductive, and mental health. So during the pandemic uh, period, we adjusted, instead of having uh, visits, physical visits, that is our contacts, we started using our WhatsApps to check on, to follow up. Uh, our kids were using the WhatsApp platform, they were using SMS platforms, they were also using uh, phone calls. Um, to those who didn't have these gadgets, uh, we were trying to minimize visiting people at home, also to protect our kids and also to protect even those beneficiaries. So normally we, there are, there is what we call cards. These are called, these are a group of people who can collect medication on behalf of others. So these kids also were coming in. They could collect a medication for a group of a certain number of people, and when they do this, they are able even to follow them up. We were also uh, using uh, other people in the community to get in contact with our cats. So in general, this is what we've been doing, and our cats model was actually bestly adapted to the pandemic in terms of disaster management because our Kids are already known by our beneficiaries. So following them up on WhatsApp or on phone call is not clear. It was easy for us. There was a less time for introductions. I think that's about it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Auntie Titi. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to our guests for joining us during this discussion. We hope everything discussed on the show was beneficial to you, the listener. Thank you for listening to StoryWorks Talk at the Rando podcast. A special thanks to the Ready Consortium, Africate, Repsi, and Y Plus Global. If you are affected by any of the issues mentioned or discussed on the podcast, you can reach to Zimbabwe Young Positives on their Facebook page, which is Zimbabwe Young Positives, Instagram page, Zim Young Pause, or Twitter at Zim Young Pause. Or you can call us on the Kutavila toll-free line, which is 080-8044, then press hash for the Youth and Key Populations Extension. I'll repeat the toll-free line, 080-8044, then press hash for the Youth and Key Populations Extension. 
until then, let's remember we are the power of diverse communities of adolescents and young people supporting transformation. Thank you.